Well, hello, everybody. Uh, you may be impressed by the setup that I have this week. Uh, it turns out I now have a podcast and only three people probably listen to it every week, but I have one. And before you get too impressed with me, man, this website, Anchor, really easy to use for this kind of stuff. But instead of having it on the Dropbox every week, I figured I might as well just go ahead and have a place where I can have everything stored, send it out easier. Um, how about that intro music? That kind of makes it seem official, doesn't it? So anyways, here we are. Um, but this is still the same dive deeper that you've come to know and love. Um, so this week, we are going to be talking um, through Doubting Thomas. Um, it's kind of the name that this little episode in John gets a lot of times. We're going to talk about when Jesus appears to the disciples, uh, except for Thomas, and then later to Thomas. Uh, we're going to be in John 20 today, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to be reading uh, the section from verses 19 through 29. So what I'm going to do in this uh, this episode, I guess I'd call it, um, is I'm going to just give a brief summary of the first appearance of the disciples then, really drill down on um, one thing, just want to kind of spend a little time, maybe giving a little vindication to Thomas, who has maybe one of the most unfortunate monikers in all of the scripture as doubting Thomas. So we're going to vindicate him just a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about Jesus' response to Thomas and just the patience and kindness that he shows toward Thomas. And then I want to talk about that last verse, what Jesus says in verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And just talk about the role of faith and hope um, in our in Christianity and our belief uh, in Jesus. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. Um, so basically uh, in verses 19 through 23, what you get is, and we talked about this in a previous episode, Jesus post-resurrection gets real creative with how he appears to people. Um, you've got him kind of disguised or not recognized the, you know, Mary thinks he's a gardener. Um, last week we talked about the disciples on the road to Emmaus and he kind of disguised himself a little bit. Um, and now we've got him um, popping into a locked room um, without walking through the door. Um, so post-resurrection Jesus, he really, uh, he really lets loose. Um, he's got, He's not worried. Nothing's holding him down. He's popping in and out of places, um, sometimes scaring folks. Um, but basically what happens is all the disciples are together and they've got the doors locked. And the reason they've got the doors locked is because they're afraid of the Jews. So remember, um, while Jesus was crucified under Roman rule, it was really the religious leaders of the Jews who were pushing for his crucifixion. So um, it's really the Jews that the disciples are afraid of. And so you can imagine that if they've taken down your leader, uh, at least so they think, then it'd be pretty easy for them to come after you and start picking you off. So they're they're being cautious. They've got the door locked, but in comes Jesus anyways. Peace be with you. That probably made them feel a lot better after they were terrified by the suddenly appearing Jesus, who at this point, they're we have to remember too, like they're not 100% sure about the resurrection at this point. Um, the, the events of Jesus' resurrection up to this point have been really isolated. So um, he's appeared to the to Mary. He's appeared to the disciples um, on the road to Emmaus. Um, he's kind of made some more isolated uh, appearances. So there's probably still a little bit of disbelief lingering amongst this group. And so when he comes in, I mean, you must imagine how excited they are. It says they were glad when they saw the Lord. Um, and then it, 
you know, what Jesus does when he gets there, he shows basically the proof of that it's him, that he's not a ghost. Um, he shows that he's got the wounds in his hand and his side um, and spends some time just talking about them, about them receiving the Holy Spirit and about the, the power they're going to have through the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the, the foundation of the story. Um, and as we move into verse 24, um, we find out that Thomas was not one of the disciples that was in this locked room that day. So I'm going to start reading in verse 24 of John 20 and read through verse 29. So verse 20, 24 says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So uh, Thomas finally, uh, he got invited into this dinner, I guess. Maybe the disciples were mad at him. Maybe he was on vacation uh, the last time. But this time he happens to be with them. We don't necessarily know if the door is is locked. We know they're inside. Well, no, we do know it's locked. Yeah, it says, again, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So they've gotten in the habit of locking the door every night. And Jesus has gotten in the habit of appearing when they're all gathered. So he does it again. And um What's really interesting, too, is that not only has he just appeared into a room, which is obviously a, an amazing sign of um, his God quality, his deity, um, but he also tells Thomas, basically, he's almost answering what Thomas had said eight days before when he was saying, I won't believe until I have the opportunity to do this. And Jesus says, hey, Thomas, just like you said back when I wasn't there, but I knew that you were what you were saying, he's showing his omniscience that he knows what Thomas is up to. He knows what Thomas is thinking. He knows what Thomas is feeling. So, um, and Thomas answers with that beautiful um, just statement of, of faith in who Jesus is, my Lord and my God, recognizing him as the Messiah and recognizing him as his God, um, which uh, is is a great thing for us to, to see in the scripture and for us to remember in our everyday life. So the first thing I want to talk about um, in this little segment is I want to talk about Thomas specifically. Um, so like I said, Thomas, he's often known as Doubting Thomas in our church tradition. That's kind of what he's famous for. Um, he has some other instances in the in the Gospels where he shows some form of disbelief. So this is not the only thing that he's known for, but Thomas is clearly uh, the skeptic, I guess I would say, of, of the group. Um, he's He's not one to just believe something because somebody else has said it. So let's paint the picture here. Um, Jesus is crucified. He, um, they see him die. He's put in the tomb. And again, we have these isolated appearances of Jesus to um, some of the disciples, some of the ladies. Um, and what we see is there's not like a huge general consensus. Like, yes, we all are on board. We've all seen the Lord at the same time. Um, so this is really kind of, a special time when Jesus is really making himself known to all of them at once. Um, so imagine if you're Thomas, you've been hearing stories over the last however many days of like, oh, he appeared to 
these two disciples on the road. He appeared to Mary here. Um, there was this angel, you know, he's been hearing a lot of stories and then he goes and he's off somewhere. Um, and he's got a business trip or he's on vacation or something. All the other disciples are hanging out. Maybe they didn't invite him, but, uh, then now all your friends say, well, we all saw him and, but you weren't there to see it. Um, I don't know if any of y'all are fans of the office, but there's uh, an episode where they're all in the conference room and they're looking at one of those kind of old fashioned, um, DVD like screensavers where the little box, um, is bouncing, uh, around the TV and they're waiting for it to go right into the corner perfectly. Um, and basically one of the characters said that she's seen it go into the corner perfectly, but no one else was around. And so the rest don't really believe her. Well, it's kind of the opposite. Everybody saw it except for Thomas, but Thomas, Thomas is saying, I've got to see it for myself. Um, and you can imagine if you were in Thomas's shoes and let's remember, let's give the disciples and Jesus followers some slack. A, they didn't always fully understand Jesus when he taught things. So when he was saying that he was going to rise again in three days, they may have been confused. They may have thought he was speaking metaphorically. Um, they, they didn't always track right along with what Jesus was saying. So when he died, they weren't like, okay, let's just start the timer. Let's wait for these three days to pass. He'll be here. Like they were devastated. They thought he was lost forever. Um, number two, let's remember that... Um, Resurrection wasn't a common occurrence. So even as these stories start coming up from the other followers of Jesus, it's still not like, oh, yeah, he's doing what he said he did. I guess we should believe him now. Like they were not they were not necessarily waiting on pins and needles for Jesus to rise from the dead. They just were just a little slow. We, we have to give him a little slack. We have the whole scripture together. We get all of the Gospels and we can read through all of them. We can read through Paul's letters they didn't have that uh, luxury. Things were happening to them in real time. Um, so we got to give them a little slack there. So you can imagine if you were Thomas and you've heard some stories about Jesus rising from the dead. Now a bunch of your friends are saying it too. You can imagine there might be some wishful thinking like that. Some of them were just, this was the way they were grieving Jesus uh, death. You could think that maybe all of them had some similar shared hallucination like that you know, maybe they were all drinking at this gathering. Um, you know, for some reason, maybe they all have this same story. And Thomas is just, he's really not buying it. Um, I think the, the counter to it is if all of your friends were telling you they'd seen something and these are like your closest friends and you still don't believe them, like, okay, you probably should have believed your friends. And also you should have like thought back maybe to some of the things Jesus said. And Maybe he maybe he did mean that he was going to rise from the dead, but that's not where Thomas is. But I think we got to cut Thomas some slack here. Um, all he's really wanting, he's not saying I this didn't happen. He said, well, you guys all got to see it. Remember that they all got to see it and Jesus showed them the wounds. He's basically just asking for the same experience they had. So um, when Thomas is asking that, yeah, he's doubting a little bit. He's not even really doubting Jesus. He's really doubting his friends and the other disciples. Um, so... I think that the term, the moniker doubting Thomas, maybe a little, maybe a little hasty. So let's give Thomas some slack in the future. Um, and just remember, he was kind of in a tough spot. He was the only one that wasn't there. So that's um, my two cents about Thomas. I hope that when I see him one day, he will, he will know that I tried to, to vindicate him and we can chat about it. Maybe he can correct me and some assumptions I made, but that's Thomas. So, and I think what, is an, another amazing part of this little epic is just the way that we get to see Jesus interact with Thomas in the middle of that doubt. 
um, what he says to him, he leans specifically over to Thomas. He said, hey, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Uh, So Jesus, honestly, this could have been an opportunity where he says, you hard-headed man, didn't you remember all the things I said? You didn't believe all of my followers. You didn't think this could happen. Um, He doesn't choose that route. Uh, Jesus chooses the route uh, with Thomas of, of patience and really understanding. Um, and he gives him kind of the same experience the other disciples had. He gives Thomas the opportunity to see um, his hands and to see his side. So, um, and this is this is really a good opportunity, I think, for us to kind of reflect on how we can emulate Jesus' character in moments like this. Um, I think that there are some people in the world that uh, faith comes easily to, whether it's you know faith in Jesus or, or faith in other things to believe. The, the bad side of that, I guess you might say gullible, but even so, like um, there are some people that just have a, a heart of faith, um, a heart to believe in things. I would consider myself in that camp. Um, for me, when I hear something about God or read something in the Bible that's difficult to understand or difficult to reconcile with other parts of the Bible, um, I'm pretty comfortable um, saying, like, you know what? I, I just trust that the Lord is sovereign. I trust that the Lord is good. Like, I don't need to know the answer to this for me to believe that. Um, I don't have to have a, a perfect layout of all the evidence for Jesus' death and resurrection to believe it. I think, honestly, I just have a, a temperament that is more um, naturally inclined to believe. Um, and so I, I know that's how I am, and some of you may be that way. But we also know, we've definitely all known people, and we may be those people even, um, that it's kind of, you got to show me. Like, if I'm going to believe something, I need the proof. Um, you'll, you've will you probably interacted with people who are skeptical of Christianity and, you know, have their, their pet questions of, uh, well, if you can answer this, maybe I'd believe. And there's, of course, 10 questions after that. But there are some people that are just naturally more inquisitive. Um, that want to know how things work. They're the ones if they, you know, if their hair dryer breaks, they got to crack that thing open and see how it works, see if they can fix it. Um, that's just the type of people they are. And it, for people who um, have faith um, or even people who have, have really sought those answers and found them can get frustrated if somebody doesn't um, either believe or accept at the same rate that we do. But I think that's where Jesus becomes a, an excellent model specifically in this Uh, in this instance, Thomas is definitely one of those people. He's like, you got to show me, I'm not going to just believe it because you told me I I need to see it myself. Um, And the way that Jesus interacts with him is just with such patience and understanding. And it's not, uh, it's not to say that we get answers to everything. Like Thomas got the answer he was looking for. um, But Jesus didn't come with chastisement for him, not believing um, what everybody had said. Um, He comes to him with understanding. Um, He, he shows him the proof. Um, and really, I think that's the kind of attitude we need to take toward people that are skeptical. Um, there is eventually a place um, for all of us with when it comes to to Jesus, when it comes to Christianity, that there is a measure of faith, regardless of how many answers you know. Um, there's there's no total empirical proof of everything that's in the Bible, everything that we believe. That's why it's called a faith. Um, that's why religions are often referred to as faiths. Um, at some point, you have to believe something that you can't necessarily prove. Um, but when people are are questioning and they're wondering, I think we have to take a tactic of patience um, and of understanding and being willing to 
uh, be long suffering with people who are in that camp. And it's not like we have to be prepared to answer every little question because you can spend your whole life trying to master that. And some people do. Um, apologists, you not people that apologize for Christianity, but they defend Christianity, um, will do things like that. But that's not everybody's calling. Um, I think the biggest thing that we learn from Jesus here is just to have a, an attitude of patience and understanding with those who maybe don't believe at the same rate we do. Um, and to be able to suffer alongside someone as they're questioning and say, yeah, I want to, I want to be there when you have a question. Like I want to be able to, to be a light. I want to be able to share with you what I do know um, and really just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to make a difference in that person's life. We can't change anybody's mind or heart. We can't bring anyone to faith on our own. Um, that's kind of hard to sometimes for us to swallow practically. We have a role um, in what God's calling us to and how we share with others about who he is. But with apart from the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into someone's life, we can't change them from darkness to light. Only God has the power to do that. So we really just have to be faithful to what God's calling us to. And sometimes with someone who's doubting, skeptical, whether it's a person who is trying to come to the faith or interested in coming to the faith, or even someone who may be kind of falling away from the faith, um, just really the power of presence, the power of being of being there uh, makes a huge difference. Um, so I think we see a great example in Jesus on this, uh, from Jesus in this. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk to you about um, is just this last bit that Jesus says um, in verse 29. It says, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So you see here, Jesus is kind of, um, he is kind of saying, you know, Thomas, it would have been better if you'd, you'd had faith in me and you didn't need this proof. Um, he's saying, there's going to be people who never see me and yet they're going to believe. And guess what? He's talking about us. Um, we are the people who have not seen and yet we've believed. Of course, we've seen God work in our lives. Um, we've seen the, the fruit that comes from a relationship with Jesus in our lives and the lives of others. Um, but we, ha we have not seen physically the risen Lord. We have not put our hands in his wounded hands. We have not put our hand in his side like Thomas did. Um, and Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Really, um, Christianity, as I mentioned earlier, it can't come without faith. And faith cannot truly exist without hope. I'll say that one more time. Faith cannot exist without hope. Because faith is not um, a faith that goes on forever. Faith is really uh, us waiting until that belief becomes sight, when it becomes something that's right in front of us. Um, you have probably heard at almost uh, every wedding you've ever been to, if it had even a, a tiny religious element, you probably have heard 1 Corinthians 13, um, and that ends in verse 13 as well. It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So that's in Paul's passage where he's talking about, um, you know, if I say the most amazing things, but I say it without love. I'm just a, a clanging symbol. Um, basically that any of our, our ministry is worthless if we don't have love. And then that part at the end, these three abide, but the grace of these is love. Um, the reality is that we live in a, an in-between period right now. Um, we live in a time between Jesus appearings. Um, so he appeared um, for roughly 33 years, so about 2,000 years ago, and people saw him. And like we saw in this story, people saw him before the crucifixion. They saw him after his resurrection. 
um, they got to their their faith was sight. Um, they hoped um, they had faith, uh, but then they got to really in a lot of ways realize that. Now we have a, a future hope that they haven't yet realized either, but they got to see the resurrection firsthand. They got to see the Lord in the flesh. Um, we live in that in-between period where we believe not only um, what he's done, um, but we also believe that he's going to do more. Um, so we believe that he he died and he rose again. And we also believe that he's coming back. And when I say that faith can't exist without hope, um, if, if we aren't, if our faith doesn't have that element of the hope that he's coming back, then really we're not, our, our faith is kind of empty. If we're not waiting for something that he's promised as well, then we don't really have faith. So you can't really divorce the idea of faith from hope because the hope that comes with our faith is that our faith will be realized, that we don't have to just have faith that Jesus died and rose again, but we'll get to see the risen Lord. We don't have to just have faith that he will come back again, that he'll make all things new, that he will live and dwell with us forever. We, we have hope that that's going to come to fruition. Um, it's not faith in a vacuum. It's, it's a hope in something future. Um, so when, when Paul says the greatest of these is love, I think it's because faith and hope one day um, will, will pass away from being a part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because right now our faith is in something that, that has happened and that will happen. But soon everything will be fully realized and seen um, in, in, I guess, in a more literal way. Um, and we'll, we'll be able to see the risen Lord, the returning Lord. Um, our hope will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back and he makes all things new. So our faith and hope are, are for this in-between period where we hope for something that he's promised us. We have faith in something that he's promised us. But what's going to really endure uh, is that love. So God loved us from the beginning. He's loved us all throughout the middle. And guess what? After our faith and our hopes are fulfilled, he's still going to love us. We're still going to love him. Uh, the love is going to abide and is going to exist even after we see those moments of our faith and hope realized. So when he says, the, when Paul says the grace of these is love, um, he's really talking about some, something that's going to be eternal. There's not, there's not a timer on love. Um, the love that God has for us through Christ, the love that we have for God through Christ um, is going to exist forever. And so when Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, he's talking to us. He says, we're, we're happy. We have the opportunity to be happy because we haven't seen, we've believed, but he's saying there's something good about that. There's something um, just innately good about having faith in something we haven't seen. Um, and really, when you talk about Christianity, faith is one of the major currencies of uh, of our of our religion. I can hesitate to call it a faith because we're talking about, I don't want to get too confusing, but um, faith is a currency in Christianity because um, it's through faith that we're saved. It's this hope that comes along with our faith um, that we eagerly await for Jesus' return. Um, and one day we'll have the opportunity for that to be realized. But in the interim, Jesus promises that we'll be blessed, not that we will prosper monetarily, not that everything will go right for us in the world, but that really that he recognizes. He recognizes that we have not seen, we've not gotten the chance to put our hand on his hand, our hand on his side, but we still believe what he did and we believe what he said he's going to do in the future. So hope that's an encouragement to you. Uh, I hope you'll take it easy on Thomas. 
Uh, I hope you'll take it easy on all the skeptics as they um, seek to believe something that we already believe. Um, just knowing that it's it's a special thing to believe in something you haven't seen and that it doesn't come easy for everybody, but Jesus has promised us so many great blessings in the future that we have this faith, which is wrapped up in this hope that one day he'll return. We'll get to see him face to face. We'll get to put our hand in his hand, our hand in his side, uh, and we'll get to live with him forever in love. So I hope that was helpful. Um, I'll be praying for you this week as you as you teach. Um, this is a great lesson for us uh, to remember and just to see who our God is, who Jesus is, how he interacts with us, even in our moments of doubt. Um, and I hope that it will just lead to, to more glory to his name.